Welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden, also coming to you from the morning after the 2017 British general election. My name is Dan Shriver. I'm sitting here with Anna Chazinski, James Harkin, and Andrew Hunter-Murray. Andrew Hunter-Murray. Sorry, I'm tired. <laughs> Andrew Hunter- <laughs> My name is Dan Shriver. I'm sitting here with Anna Chazinski, James Harkin, and Andrew Hunter-Murray. And once again, we have gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last night, the <laughs> evening of the election, uh, and in no particular order, here we go. Hey, Dan, you sound a bit tired. <laughs> I'm very tired. <laughs> yeah. Try and spot which one of us stayed up the latest and the longest. Well, the problem was is that I didn't watch it on TV. I think all of us stayed up watching it on TV. You made the mistake of watching it on Plus One, so you got even less <laughs> sleep than the rest of us. I watched it on my iPhone in oh, bed with really? the lights off. My my left eye, which did all the watching because my right eye was in a pillow, <laughs> is really twitching right now. But because it's on the left, it'll be very happy with the result. <laughs> <laughs> okay, starting with fact number one, and that is Anna. Yeah, my fact is the really relevant to this result fact. Um, all forfeited election deposits go straight to the Queen. And this is just a thing I found out. I was reading the Electoral Commission Guide for Returning Officers. As you do. As um, you do. In an exciting time like this, you've got to do exciting things. And, um, yeah, there was just a rule in it. So it's like for returning officers. So for anyone internationally listening, returning officers are the people who are responsible in every constituency for, like, organising and announcing the election. And this is the long guide as to exactly how they go about doing that. The, what it says in the guide is, if a candidate does not poll more than 5% of the total number of valid votes cast, their deposit will be forfeited. You must send any forfeited deposits to Her Majesty. Uh, so the deposits are £500 okay. that, um, MP, that people put up if they want to be an MP, again for international listeners, um, and then if you get under 5%, you forfeit the deposit, but I didn't realise it went to Her Majesty, I can't find anything else about this online. I, it's amazing though, so in 2010, UKIP alone lost £229,000 in deposits. No way! Whoa. And the Green Party lost 163,500 pounds No wonder the Queen's so rich. Yeah. <laughs> no. In 2010, there was about a million pounds in lost deposits. That is a lot. It is a lot. The idea of this deposit is to stop frivolous campaigns, isn't it? Yeah, and it does a very good job. I think (laughs) the Monster Raving Looney Party would agree. In 1983, they had a look at this, the Home Affairs Committee, to see um, if it was... You know, if it was too much and if it was stopping poorer people from running and they kind of thought, well, maybe it is, but actually it's worth it because for your 500 quid, even if you lose, you get free postage for your campaign address and you get free use of buildings for public meetings and you get a great deal of publicity, they said. So almost the 500 quid is worth it. And they actually recommended Hmm. it should be up to a thousand pounds. Oh, really? Uh, but it never was. I might just enter, and not even campaign, just for the sake of getting some publicity for myself and some free buildings. We were going to enter you, weren't we? Because you live in the same constituency oh, as yeah. Jeremy Corbyn. But he did quite well in this one, didn't he? So yeah, I you think could have swung it, Anna. <laughs> I could have. Aren't they saying that he did the best that any politician has ever he done? Well, highest. no, he didn't, he didn't win the election, did he? <laughs> in, his, in his constituency. Yeah, he got the highest ever vote in Islington North. Yeah. Wow. Which Whoa. is the smallest constituency? I didn't know. It's also yeah. mine, so I had a personal interest in that. Oh, really? But yeah, it's the smallest. Right. By it's just you and Jezza, isn't it? Yeah. 
<laughs> Do you know what the largest one is? No, what? It's Ross Sky and Loch Arbor in Scotland, which is 1,632 times larger than Islington North. Really? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Oh, my and God. So I worked that out, and I worked out that if Jeremy Corbyn's allotment was increased by that amount, <laughs> then it would be the size of the Vatican City. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Maybe it will be now. <laughs> I'm just on the Queen very quickly. Uh, so overseas... Uh, listeners might not know this, but the Queen's not allowed to vote in these elections. She is allowed to vote, oh, but she, she just doesn't. Sorry, yeah. she chooses not to. Yeah. And and every everyone doesn't of... care. Apathy is a real problem <laughs> in this country. It goes right up to the top. It's strange because she's old. You know, you'd think she would care more. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, she doesn't want the votes to go higher because she wants those delicious money <laughs> from exactly. the last deposits. <laughs> <laughs> but so also, sorry, you've just got four point nine 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 percent of the vote in the constituency. <laughs> See the Queen going yes, <laughs> yoink. <laughs> But she um she spends most of her time in these periods and for the referendum and so on, just denying that she has an opinion, which I love. Every single royal member just seems to spend their whole period, any time they're mentioned in the press in these periods, denying that what they've said is in some way alluding to an opinion about oh, yeah. what way people should vote. Well, they for... can have opinions on things like ketchup or mayonnaise or, you know, <laughs> do you prefer a buzz cut or long hair? They're just not supposed to have political views. Yes, no, exactly. It's no. not any opinion. No, no, it's, Guys, have, obviously have you, have you heard of Prince Charles? <laughs> <laughs> consistently writes to everyone who will but yeah. those were leaked weren't they he, he hasn't openly done um, that he doesn't that reminds that. me of the emperor of japan mm-hmm. um akihito who's not allowed to give any opinions on politics at all not even just in elections just never ever and it's in the constitution that comes from the end of the second world war and so he wasn't allowed to abdicate he wasn't allowed to say i want to abdicate he had to kind of do an announcement alluding to the fact that he might want to <laughs> and then people had to kind of infer from what he said that he wanted to abdicate so wink wink <laughs> that stuff wow Feeling pretty tired that, that, that you didn't may have not have seen that in the news last night but they passed that he is now allowed to abdicate oh really yeah oh, yeah wow. that was in the news last night oh. oh i didn't see that yeah did you see the um just on like process weird election electoral process if it's a tie it comes down to a coin toss which obviously never happens Hmm. but there was that guy in Anne's constituency so one of our colleagues Anne um, used to live up north and it's in northeast Fife and I think the person who won was an SNP candidate who won by two votes this morning right yeah wow quite two votes yeah my god so that's just one person, isn't it? Yeah. Putting the X in the wrong box. Exactly. <laughs> Did you guys see the uh, Green Party candidate from uh, Ashfield? No. no. Okay, so his name's Aaron Rangi. Um, he had to leave the count as it was going on because he had to get home uh, to get some sleep because he has an A-level history exam at nine o'clock this morning. So he's 18 years Whoa. old. He's the Green Party candidate. Wow. And it just got too late for him. So he was like, I, got, I, can't, I can't stay for the, uh, the final count. Wow. Got my exam. They should let you off having a history exam if you're making history. Yes. yes. <laughs> As he definitely did in the Green Party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I take it he won the seat, presumably, right? I have no idea. <laughs> no, I mean, no, he, he didn't. didn't win the seat. Okay. <laughs> you know the deposit thing that we were starting off with? Did you know it used to be a lot harder? So... Until, I think, 1918, or definitely in, in 1918, it was £150 that you had to put up. But obviously, that was a lot more money then. Yeah, yeah. It was about, I think they've worked it out as being about 6,600 quid. Wow. And you had to win 12.5% of the vote, otherwise you would forfeit your deposit. Oh, yeah. really? So it was a much higher barrier. Another place you need to get 12.5% is in Japan. 
Uh, and do you know how much the Japanese uh, deposit is that you have to pay? No. It's 3 million yen, mm-hmm. uh, which is the equivalent of 21,064 pounds. Whoa. No and you way. need 12.5%. But then they don't get all those hilarious fringe candidates that can entertain them during a tedious campaign, right? I suppose not. <laughs> or unless they're extremely rich. Very wealthy ones, yeah. Just another thing on, on process. Uh, if you... <laughs> I really think, I think process was the big winner in this election, don't you? <laughs> it was certainly what I voted for. I just wrote it in my box. I love that I'm doing this and the way I'm doing it. Um, so I didn't realise that actually, if, as long as you make your intention clear on the ballot paper, then your vote counts. So I thought you had to do a cross or maybe a tick. Um, but if you draw a penis, as long as it's within the lines of the candidate in whose box you've drawn a penis, it does count as a vote. Mm. And so there was, for instance, there was a Tory MP, Glyn Davis, in 2015, who uh, held on to the Montgomeryshire constituency in Wales. And he personally thanked the person who voted for him by drawing a penis in his box. <laughs> But it sort of depends how you feel about penises, doesn't it? You're right. So do you think, if when people call you a dick, Andy, do you look at them and think, yeah, but he probably likes penises? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, on that uh, spoiling votes thing, in the last British election, 2015, there were 97,870 spoilt votes, right? Mm-hmm. The last time the Gambia had an election, there were two. Really? Two spoiled ballots in the whole country. In the whole country. What? Because the Gambian voting system is really cool. It's you if you've got three candidates, you have three um, buckets next to each other. Mm -hmm. Or no, you've got three barrels next to each other and they've got a little chute at the top and you push you get given a marble and you push the marble through the little chute at the top and it dings a bell. So everyone can hear. So how do you your spoil vote. your vote, though? Do you put your penis in the tube? <laughs> <laughs> to spoil your vote, you have to balance a marble on top of the barrel, <laughs> and only two people did it in the in the whole country. In no, that yeah, what? you're kidding. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's incredible. It's, it's that's a great system. They've had the system since the '60s. It really works for them. But that's can you incredible. imagine if you spoiled your ballot by putting your penis in the tube, <laughs> and then the electoral guy comes along and goes, "Do you like penises, though?" <laughs> 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 the bell keeps going ding a ling a ling a ling a ling. That's actually uh, more akin to the word ballot, isn't it? Because ballot comes from, I think, a word that means little ball, because it used to be that you actually put a ball into a box. Is that right? I think ah. so. Um, we can start thinking about moving on. Yeah, should we, well, should we move on? We've probably got Has anyone got more stuff to say? Um, on process, Anna? <laughs> so much process. <laughs> I do like that the first ballot box... Oh, she's got more on process. <laughs> uh, I know you said it in jest, desperately hoping to move on. Look, this is a great fact, guys. It's not all about this election. The first ever secret ballot when it was introduced in the UK was in 1872. And the seal of the first ballot box was made with a licorice stamp. So there are famous licorices in the UK that are called Pontefract licorices. Oh, yeah. And they're like black sweets yeah. and they have a stamp on them which says Pontefract Licorice and has a picture of Pontefract Castle and um, when they had to close the first ballot box in 1872 they had to whip one over it was in Pontefract so they got one of those stamps over from Pontefract and they stamped it with a licorice stamp so that's really cool that's very cool licorice logo on it (laughs) it's a good process great process guys Okay, it is time for fact number two, and that is my fact. My fact this week is that only one political party in this 2017 election offered to do anything about yetis. Oh. 
Did they get your vote? <laughs> I didn't. I've only found out about it too late. Yeah. What's the party? The party is. Uh, it goes by a number of names. Oh, actually, <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, it's sort of formally as its main headline name known as Church of the Militant Elvis Party. It's also known as the Bus Pass Elvis Party. Oh yeah, those. Um, <laughs> this year they ran under the title Elvis and the Yeti Himalayan Preservation Party. So there is a common theme that runs through their names, isn't yes, there? Yes, party. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so um, the guy who was running is a guy called David Bishop, um, a.k.a. Lord Byro. <laughs> and uh, he was promising this year that if they were voted in, that he would do stuff about the potential threats from North Korea and launching missiles, because if they mislaunched a missile in the wrong direction, it might hit Tibet and harm Yetis. So that was uh, his protection okay. policy that he okay. wants to yeah. get in on. Um, and he actually was stepping down. He said he was going to step down completely and then did his own personal U-turn on it because <laughs> Theresa May called a general election when he wasn't... Pre- he thought, I'm not going to be uh, in fit state in a few years to come. Um, but then he said when he heard that Mick Jagger was going on tour again this autumn, he thought, okay, I can run too. And so, Actually, this um, snap election has been bad news for um, these kind of slightly unusual candidates. They've not been really able to organize things very quickly. There was a guy who had um, the Rebooting Democracy Party. He's standing in Cambridge, and he's got this idea that he wants to change democracy, make it more direct. Uh, he wanted to fight all 650 seats in the election, but due to the snap election, he was only able to get get into one <laughs> but his idea is um to go into sortition which is basically that everyone randomly gets chosen as um an mp so rather than people becoming career mps and deciding they want to work their way up into parliament mm-hmm. you basically it's like jury duty you get just chosen and they did that in ancient greece it's called uh, sortition Right. So wow. It's quite an old type of democracy. So they put all our names in a hat and yeah. then they just pick it out. Wow. Just pick it out and they go, you're an MP. Great. And did that go well for ancient Greece? Are they still doing that today? <laughs> the reason it's called ancient Greece. And, uh... <laughs> um, this guy, Lord Byro, um, uh, he actually, 2014, in a by-election in Nottingham, he got 67 votes. Um, part of his campaign promises were that he was going to try and get OAPs a 30% discount at brothels. Um, he got more votes in that by-election than the Lib Dems. Is it yeah. possible that they misheard and thought he was talking about Brussels? <laughs> <laughs> this brothels bureaucracy is what we need to stand out. <laughs> Well, here's the other thing. You you might have liked him, actually, Andy, because one of his other... <laughs> quite old. I'm, I'm getting on. And, uh, one of his other policies was that he wanted to protect um, public toilets from being and wiped out. Wait a minute. So why does Andy like public toilets? I just so? remember ages ago, we were talking about public toilets, and you had a big thing about your fury of the high street public toilet being wiped well, out. Well, a lot of them have been uh, cut, and yeah, and it's, it is a substantial <laughs> problem for people. If you're yeah. trying to get around and yeah. you need to access to a public toilet... As loads of people do, and you don't want to go into a restaurant or a cafe yeah. or something because often they're snippy about letting you use their loose, and it's a massive problem. That exactly. is actually a problem, exactly. Isn't it? No, and the no. fact that you have to pay for it a lot as well. Exactly. So in some American cities, they have laws. I think now that you're not allowed to charge for going to the toilet, or at least they're trying to get them in. Yeah. So well, it is a big, big. Subject. It is. And Lord, Lord Myro's on the case. No one has been talking about it in this whole campaign. It's all been Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. Process, process, process. <laughs> brothels, Brussels, brothels. Um, these these weird candidates yeah. are fantastic so um, 
Lord Buckethead has been a big oh, character yeah. in the election. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's incredible. He or someone dressed like him has been standing on and off since 1987. No. Yeah. yeah. He oh first stood against Thatcher. Yeah. Um, and he stood in th- against Thatcher in 1987 with a promise to destroy Birmingham and replace it with a star base. <laughs> <laughs> and he stood in this election saying we should defer the decision on whether to destroy Birmingham and replace it with a star base <laughs> until 2022 at least. <laughs> so you you were implying there, I think, that perhaps it's not the same Mr. Buckethead. Every, is it like Doctor Who? He kind of regenerates. I think, wow. I think it might be. Yeah. There's, yeah. A, there's a chance. That makes sense. They should have had more than one Darth Vader. <laughs> You know, like send. You know, what? what? Well, just like you know, there was only ever one Darth Vader, but you could just put another guy in there for like yeah. minor He's battles. A mask, isn't yeah, it? I guess so. Yeah, why was there no like duplicate, expendable Darth Vader? Yeah, yeah, that's true. He's just like the stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tweet from Lord Buckethead this morning. Yeah. Two hundred and forty-nine. A new buckethead record. <laughs> Something to celebrate, eh? It's so funny watching him. I mean, it was already a horrible moment for Theresa May, I think, by that point, <laughs> when she was standing there. And what? And he was directly behind her. Was, was it? Or he was... Oh, no, actually, he was up quite on the he edge. Was, yeah, he was... It wasn't as bad as Tim Farron, because he had Mr. Fishfinger stood behind him. Tim yeah. Farron, that was it. Yeah. Okay, let's explain this for overseas listeners who won't know this. Okay, so like Dan says, we do have these very odd fringe candidates, and some of them like to dress up. And Tim Farron, who's the head of the Liberal Democrats, who's the third biggest party in England, no, he's the, <laughs> he's the head of like the fourth or fifth biggest party. Um, he was going up. Which against... actually, you might need to explain to people in Britain as well, given the state of Tim Farron's campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he ran against a guy called Mr. Fishfinger who dressed like a fishfinger. <laughs> and he, uh, there was a man called Mr. Fishfinger running because wasn't there a... There was a Twitter poll. So there was a Twitter user called Skip Licker who just asked the question <laughs> as just a normal guy. First name Skip, second name Licker. And he asked... We're all completely losing the Do you think that's his real name? Of course it's his real name. Why why would it be his Twitter name if it wasn't his real name? (laughs) It would be a weird thing to make up, wouldn't it? (laughs) Why would you? Anyway, he asked the question to Twitter, who would you trust more, MP Tim Farron or Fishfinger? And the Fishfingers got 95% of the vote. And so this guy ran on... (laughs) Tim Farron almost lost his deposit in the (laughs) Am I More Trustworthy Than a Fishfinger competition. But Mr. Fishfinger is amazing. So if you go on his website, it's, I wanted to count the puns on it for this, but it was going to take me too much time. Um, but he ran on the pledge to hake Britain great again. Um, uh, yeah. He had a manifesto uh, in which uh, there was a polychy document. Um, he talks about his own constituency. Uh, he has a list of endorsalments, which is quite labour, but I guess fish have a dorsal fin. A dorsal fin. Yeah. That's a big deal for uh, them. Okay, yeah. I was just wondering, we've explained all about the election, but do we need to explain for foreign listeners what a fish finger is? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Good a point. fish finger is a piece of fish with breadcrumbs on it and deep fried and it's delicious oh it's wonderful it's better than Tim Farron (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah and so the point is that he was standing behind Tim Farron as Tim Farron made his speech his acceptance speech but Theresa May had also had to stand next to Buckethead. Someone, well, Buckethead and someone dressed as Elmo. Yes, a massive Elmo. Who I, just, I think only got three votes. Although yeah, I might be wrong. <laughs> oh, really? So Buckethead so, wiped the floor with him. Then <laughs> Buckethead absolutely destroyed Elmo in the selection. Well, with a bucket for a head, he can do a lot of wiping. I suppose <laughs> <laughs> he mopped the floor with him. <laughs> Um, so I th- we did a fact before on this podcast about people who got no votes in a general election, mm-hmm. but it was before the rules were changed and then you were allowed to vote for yourself. But I think 
someone has got just one vote, a guy called um, Rainbow George Vice, oh, who stood right. in uh, 13 different constituencies at one election before they changed the rules yeah. and said you can really only stand in one election, uh, one constituency. And he stands for the Vote for Yourself Rainbow Dream Ticket Party. Hmm. And he won- in 2005 in Cardiff North, he got one vote. And it wasn't from him either because he wasn't registered in that constituency. <laughs> <laughs> like Paul Nuttall. Paul Nuttall didn't vote for himself. Did he not? Because he's not registered in the constituency where he was oh standing. God. Really? Paul Nuttall, you mean ex-UKIP leader, because as we came in here, <laughs> he resigned, didn't he? That's true. Yeah. Ah. The caretaker between Farage leader <laughs> of the... Um, yeah. Did you know, um, I think Winston Churchill couldn't vote for himself in the 1945 election. Really? Yeah, so um, there was... Uh, it being he lost post- that, didn't he? He sure did. Was it by one it vote? Was not <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, it was a bureaucratic cock-up so there was a lot of disorganisation because it was the end of the war people had bigger fish to fry and they didn't have enough ballot papers <laughs> so- they had bigger fish fingers to fry <laughs> Um, so you had to use your ration card as your ballot paper to prove who you were and he just wasn't registered and so he rocked up and didn't have a legal vote that's pretty bad after you've defeated fascism it's awkward, so then not it? be, but it's process, isn't it? It's all it's about process. process. You've got to respect it. Um, do you know that the uh, joint leader of the Green Party, so the Green Party has two, dual leadership, and one of the leaders is this guy called Jonathan Bartley, and he's also a drummer for a blues band called the Mustangs, who've reached number five in the iTunes blues chart. Wow. Um, and they were nominated in 2010 for Best Band of the British Blues Awards. And I've listened to them, and they're genuinely really good. Really? Yeah, really fun to listen to. So well done, Jonathan. Uh, just speaking of green, but in the drug sense, uh, green, uh, uh, Mr. Byro, Lord Byro oh, yeah. as well, um, he once uh, wanted to nationalise uh, marijuana, cannabis, and he wanted to call it British grass. Very oh. good. Yeah. I'm just on process, Anna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you are high on drugs or indeed drunk, they can't stop you from voting. Oh, yeah. Even uh, if you're the queen. <laughs> <laughs> And um, also, if you're wearing a bucket on your head or something like that, they can't stop you from voting. You don't have to show your face. You're kidding. No. Wow. Well, otherwise, you wouldn't be able to vote in a burka. Yeah. I guess not. And we'd find out who Lord Buckethead is when he goes to vote. (laughs) There was a party that lost all of their deposits. Okay. This is, and they lost between 1992 and 2001. They contested 500 seats in that time. They lost every single deposit. Who, You'll probably party? remember them. The Natural Law Party. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I remember that. Were they the levitating right. ones? They, no. Yes, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> they were the ones who thought they could levitate. <laughs> they believed. So, so a lot of listeners might remember them. A lot of listeners might not. They believed you could do this thing called yogic flying, which is basically bouncing around with your legs crossed on your bottom with big hot water bottles underneath you. <laughs> oh, wow. And um, they believed that their first policy, right, if they had won in 1997, was that they would um, make a, a special air service from the armed forces of 7,000 yogic flyers to hover in and fix everything in the country. <laughs> wow. I remember, I'm sure you told me this, Andy, that the the trick to yogic flying has three steps. Oh, this is mine that I remember researching for one of the series. Oh, you yeah. can say it then. What, what was it? Because I can't remember. Oh, it was just the um, yogic flying. Yeah, the way you get there, it's a three-stage process. So I think stage one is standing on one foot and stage two is being able to hop on one foot and stage three is full levitation and I, I remember a proud statement by the Yogic Flying Institute saying we have successfully completed two of the three crucial steps Okay, it is time for fact number three and that is James Okay, my fact this week is that 
Kenya have an election later this year, and they're running out of symbols for the for their candidates, which means that candidates are now using symbols such as a milk packet, a termite, and a robot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The Conservatives oh. ran with a robot as their main thing this time round, didn't Did they? they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Was no, what was a good, what was good really? piece of satire. No, that was a joke about Theresa May. Oh, it doesn't matter. Guys, oh. you two are tired, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that is a very strong, very strong joke. Yeah. Unstable. We'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, this is this actually happens in quite a lot of places in the world, and it's that how important it is to have a symbol next to your name. That, so, so we know in Britain we have symbols for the Conservatives and Labour, like the rose and the and the torch, and in America they would have the elephant and the donkey and whatever they have over there. Um, but in lots of places of the world, you have a lot of low literacy, and so if you can't read the name of your preferred. Um, candidate, you need to have the symbol, and so they need a symbol which is really memorable and, and striking. And they thought a termite was just. They thought a termite would be there. People yes. want to vote for that. I, I might. I would. Would you? Big like ants, ants are very industrious, and they're you know they're hardworking and yeah. they get the job done, and they. they I think can, that's yeah. the idea. They club together and they achieve things. Yeah. Yeah. Was the milk carton? <laughs> half full or half empty or was it a full of milk depends or? how you look at it Anna depends <laughs> what kind of person you are um, no it was just you couldn't look inside the milk carton because it was just a <laughs> depiction of one and actually this happens like I said quite a lot around the world in India the election commission allots symbols to you and so there's a big long list of 164 available symbols and you provide them three of them that you would like and then they choose one of the three if it's available. Yeah, it's so yeah, cool. cool. And they have bizarre ones, don't yeah. they? Like uh, they have... Um, I was reading an article that was saying I think they've modernised their symbols lately because they've recently added a sewing machine. So Ooh. I don't know how modern they've got, but they have scissors as one of the symbols you can choose, a stethoscope. Do they have rock and paper? <laughs> um. It's a three-way marginal. <laughs> An ice cream going for the youth vote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, they have. They That's do it in cool. Egypt as well. I saw the actual symbols. I've got the picture here. Um, they used everything from a tractor to a ballistic missile to a tap to this is my favorite one a mobile phone um but the mobile phone symbol has a picture in the mobile phone like a background and i'm pretty sure it's the politician who was running oh, that's cool really? yeah but do you know the thing with egypt is it's not just that you choose three and they choose for you it's actually completely random that they choose the symbol for you no so way. you say i'm gonna run in egypt and they just randomly pick you a symbol and wow. so you'll have some politicians who think they're really kind of serious and you'll see their poster and then it's got all of their picture and all of their stuff on there and then there's like a picture of a banana next to their head and it just yeah. looks ridiculous oh my God. Uh, and like for instance it can be quite bad because there was a female mp who had a rocket as her symbol just allocated randomly hmm. but rocket means hottie in um, Egyptian slang, apparently. Oh. So she was like, well, I can't do this. I'm a serious MP. Yeah. You can't call me a hottie, but th that wasn't rules. random. Oh, I bet it was an all-male panel that randomly selected those symbols at some point. Mm. Is one of the symbols a penis? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think banana's as close as you get. <laughs> one, of, one of the ones I'm looking at here is a Canon camera. Like, it's actually got the Canon logo on it. <laughs> That's cool. That, well, I looked through the Kenyan list, um, and there are th really random. So there's an electrical socket. There's some broken handcuffs. Ooh. There's a steering wheel. Uh, broken handcuffs does not say to me tough on crime. <laughs> 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 that says major cuts in crime. <laughs> 
So the Kenyan election is between Uhuru and NASA. Um, that's NASA? N- what, yeah. the American Space Agency? <laughs> no, the National Super Alliance Party. Um, so it's President Uhuru Kenyatta and everyone else has kind of ganged together with a coalition to go against him. Wow. And they've called themselves the National Super Alliance Party, known as the abbreviation NASA. And they're hoping that their coalition will unseat him. I think the election's in August. Wow, I'm glad I don't live in a place as unstable as Kenya where there's one party which has got just about half the seats and one which is <laughs> definitely trying to club together. This is going to go out of date so quickly. I don't know why I'm even saying it. <laughs> Won't get on date before tonight, will it? Might do, actually. You never know. Yeah. So just, you, you mentioned brands and logos. Yeah. There are some places where companies get a vote um, so I was looking at how oh. Hong Kong elections work, actually. Oh. You might know this. So the way Hong Kong constituencies are divided up is that um, five of their seats are geographical seats and then all the rest are and then all the rest are um, like for companies. And so they get like an industry seat and they get um, an agricultural seat and they get a tourism seat. And it's really weird because that means that people like Canada Air get a vote in the Hong Kong elections. Wow, that is insane. Yeah, they do. Uh, So all these airlines from all around the world get votes in the Hong Kong elections. Does a a company vote equal the same as a single person's vote? I think it does, yeah. Or it might be more, in fact. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's really weird. That's amazing. They just sit, sit as MPs. Because corporations, by law, are individuals, aren't they? Right. I mean, that's just a technical legal thing, but I think they are. Yeah. So they should be able to vote in this country. (laughs) But they're not standing up for themselves. (laughs) They they used to have, um, I think we've said this before, that universities used to get a vote. Did they? So as well as the city of Oxford having an MP, or maybe it was two MPs, actually at the time it was each constituency had two MPs. Oxford and Cambridge each got to send an MP or two to it the did. House of Commons. And that yes. meant that students used to get two votes. It was until 1950, I think, yeah. or 1948. And so it was Oxford got an uh, MP, Cambridge got an MP, all the London ones got an MP, and then just all the other unis got an MP. And then, yeah. It sounds you... like university challenges. <laughs> 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 it morphed into that. Wow, that's oh. amazing. Yeah. And then students didn't vote again until last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, did you hear the thing recently about uh, Donald Trump's logo? Speaking of logos, no. no. What is his logo? He, it's a crest, um, oh. and it has the word Trump on it. Mm. But it turns out that he just nicked it from somebody else, and <laughs> it was an old English um, crest. And he took off the word integrity and put on the word Trump, <laughs> which is the most amazing <laughs> metaphor. For <laughs> so funny. Yeah, um, it was the the husband of the woman who built Mar-a-Lago got given this lo- crest in 1939. Mar-a-Lago, his you yeah, know, sort of yeah, second yeah, yeah. White House. His golf club. Um, and the Trump organization just took that coat of arms, changed the word, never asked permission from anyone. And then when he came back to the UK to open his horrible golf course, he... Um, I'm sure it's a very nice golf course if anyone wants to give me free round of golf. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, when, when his fantastic golf course opened, um, he got in trouble because he hadn't registered the emblem according to the 1672 Lion King mm. of Arms Act in Scotland. <laughs> and then he tried to trademark and they said, no, that's already a thing here. You can't do that. Wow. So he had to invent a new crest solely to use in his Scottish golf courses. But in America, he's still using the one he's nicked. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of it is Americans listening to this would probably be quite amused by how uptight we are about our crests, I should think. Yes. <laughs> well, the New York Times wrote in its coverage, they said, the British are known for taking heraldry very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, it is time for our final fact of the show, and that is Andy. My fact is that in the 19th century, one of England's constituencies had no people living in it. 
<laughs> and another one was underwater. <laughs> <laughs> wow. These are so good. They're called rotten boroughs, which are constituencies where there used to be a load of people living there and it made sense for them to have two MPs. And then over time, the population changes or the place goes derelict. But the rules haven't been updated, so they still get MPs. Mm -hmm. And then it's really easy for someone, normally the landowner who owns the land, to just take over the place, pick his own MPs, <laughs> and send them to the house. That's there's amazing. A, yeah, there's a Blackadder episode, uh -huh. which is all about this, basically. Really? And one yeah. of the, the constituency that was underwater, Dunwich, is the inspiration for the thing in the episode, which is called Dunny on the World. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that Dunwich was the capital of the Kingdom of the East Angles? Was it? <laughs> yeah, it was. So it used to be a really important place. And um, it was a port similar in size to 14th century London, according to Wikipedia. So it was a massive, massive place. And that's why they had this vote, I think. Yeah, it supposedly, yeah, exactly, rivaled the capital. I mean, it was, and it's called, Dan, you're like this, mm. the British Atlantis. Oh. Yeah. What do you mean? It, it is called that. It, in, I'm calling exist. it that now. Who calls it that? This guy, but it's not. But Atlantis isn't the thing with Atlantis that we don't know where it is. We know where Dunwich is. It just doesn't. It's just not there anymore. It fell into the sea, like, like Atlantis yeah. might yeah. have done. But oh, this is Atlantis the British. Fell into the sea. <laughs> yeah. I forgot it fell into the sea. I thought it was just a place we couldn't find. Yeah, <laughs> no, it fell in. Yeah, and it's the British Atlantis. It's not claiming to be the Atlantis. Yeah, look, anyway, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I got that. But oh, you got that. Bit. Okay. It's still there. Okay, and it's underwater. And supposedly at midnight or at night, you can hear church bells dangling around. In the water. And that's just someone voting with their penis. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it had eight churches, and it had two hospitals, and there's, a, there's one man, and this was a piece in the India about ten years ago, he's called Stuart Bacon, and he's done about a thousand dives down there, mm -hmm. and he has a map which was printed 500 years ago, and he can make his way around by touch wow. the city underwater. That is wow. extremely cool. It's so cool. Yeah, that's amazing. So what's left of it? Is th are there... Like buildings. There was left. almost nothing left. Most of it was swept away there's in these just, huge storms. There's like a church, a few houses, a prat. So yeah. there are <laughs> <laughs> soggy sandwiches. <laughs> so it did. Ha that actually had about 200 people living there, which is much larger than a load of other constituencies. Ah. Before they were reformed, there were 50 seats in the country, which each had fewer than 50 voters living in them. So funny. So um, it was the 1832 Reform Act. A yeah. uh, bit of process for you there, Emma. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and it was that act which got rid of these boroughs, but it was also the act that excluded women from voting. Because until then, <gasps> it wasn't explicitly against the rules for women to vote. If they were landowners, they could, in theory, yeah. do mm. it. And one actually did, actually. I think the first woman to vote was in the late 1500s because she was a widow of a big landowner who'd been the person who would nominate the person to go to Parliament. So she got to nominate. So women got the vote in the 16th century. But um, did you know that Charles yeah. James Fox, who's a famous... Um, British Prime Minister, when he became leader, he was too young to vote. So he was, was 19 he? when he became leader, yeah, in 1768, <laughs> and the voting age was 21. How does that work, then? Um, I guess just other people voted for... Oh, oh his, yeah, I know I his that. father bought the um, constituency <laughs> for him. There we go. His, right. <laughs> it was sheer nepotism. Wow. So Aaron from the Green Party doing his A-level history exam, back then might not have been able to vote either. Uh, yeah, exactly. Was he, 18 would have been too young. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So one of the features of rotten boroughs, which were a massive problem, obviously, in the country, was this thing called um, pot walloping. And I had never heard oh, of this. Yeah, yeah. But it's so cool. So before the Reform Act, then you could vote in certain areas if you were a pot walloper. Um, <laughs> and what it meant was is that you had a pot or a cauldron. And if you had a pot that was big enough, 
if you had a pot, a proper big cooking pot, it showed that you had a hearth that was big enough to put the pot in. And if you had a hearth that was big enough to put the pot in, then you obviously had the freehold of a, a house and therefore you were considered responsible enough to vote. But could you not just get a knockoff pot off eBay? Or <laughs> yeah. You would have thought so. Yeah. Did you have to bring your pot with you to the, to the voting booth? I don't know. That's <laughs> why nobody voted, because people were dragging these enormous heavy cauldrons around the streets. That's, they actually had one guy called Lord Cauldron Head. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, isn't it the case that you, they had to, um, if you were voting, it was done in public one by one? Yes, yeah. it was done in public, and it took ages. Right. So, um, but did you have to declare it sort of to everyone, or was yeah, it a secret did. ballot? No, no, you did. The I secret think... ballot wasn't introduced until the 1870. Wow. Yeah. And that meant that you could obviously people could sort of bribe you. Yeah. It was called treating your constituents. Mm-hmm. You gave them free food and drink, basically. Yeah. And sometimes that that would cost so much money that only one person could afford to stand in the seat anyway. Mm. Um, People used to sign their ballot papers, actually, because that was a good... Because the person who'd been elected would go through the ballot papers really? afterwards and look at who'd voted for them and be like, oh, Johnny, I'll yeah. give him a little present. Mr. Penis has and voted for <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> and if you were super rich, presumably you could um, gift people pots <laughs> to allow them... <laughs> To vote for you? <laughs> to give them the franchise. Yeah. To, yeah. to gain votes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, get this. The 1784 election, voting opened in the Westminster constituency on the 1st of April, and it closed on the 17th of May. What? what? Took nearly two months Why? just to gather the votes. Because they didn't have this thing, because obviously they didn't have mass communication, and they didn't oh, yeah. need to do the election all on the same day, basically. Did Sunderland still turn in all their votes <laughs> by 10 p.m. that day? <laughs> Sunderland's like the swatty kid in the class, isn't it? <laughs> hey, not this year, though. I know, they? They got biggest Sundle. Oh, so quickly explain that for overseas people. Sunderland, usually... So the polls close at 10 o'clock, and Sunderland, for the last 20 years, has always been the first constituency to give their result, and they usually do it by about 11 or something like that. They're really they? fast Really, accounting. really quick. But this was the first year in ages, in my lifetime, I think, that Newcastle has beaten them. Yeah. And as a Newcastle fan, I was thrilled with the result of that derby it's between true. them, finally. It's, it's been a bad year for Sunderland altogether, isn't it? Because yeah. they got relegated from the Premier League yeah. and now this. And Newcastle got promoted from the Championship. I so, know. in your face, Sunderland. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing a tar date in Sunderland, are we? Not anymore. <laughs> um, should we wrap up? Sure. Yeah, let's go to bed. Yeah. Oh, wait, can I tell you? Oh, no, actually, no. no, no, go, on, wrap no. Up. Yeah, go on, go on. Bit of process. But just off. a bit more process to finish <laughs> off. Um, this is, I was just really surprised about this. Um, supermarkets, uh, people who shop in certain supermarkets vote for certain people. And okay. where would you guess Aldi and Lidl have their um, loyalties these days? The budget shops, so I would imagine it's people on a tighter budget, so I'd say Labour. You would have thought so, wouldn't you? It's the Tories, the is Tory it? voters. Mm. So actually, the Tories have all supermarket shoppers. I don't know where Labour voters are shopping. People wow. who shop in Tesco's, Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Aldi and Lidl are now all Conservative. <laughs> and it's just Morrison's and Asta that have got the Labour vote. But you vote. do hear about Little Britain, don't you? <laughs> you do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, True Labour voters grow all their own produce on their allotment. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's it. That's all we can do. We need to go to sleep now. We are knackered. I need to close my working eye. And uh, we will be back again next week with another episode. Until then, you can reach us and chat more to us about the British elections if you want on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at Schreiberland. James? At Skip Licker. (laughs) (laughs) At Egg Shaped. Uh, Andy? At Andrew Hunter M. 
And Chazinski. You can email podcast at qi.com. Yep. And you can also go to our group account at QI Podcast. You can go to our website, no such thing as a fish.com, where you can find all of our previous episodes. There's also our tour dates for the UK. And there's also a link to our book, which is coming out in November. We'll be back again next week with another episode. We'll see you then. Goodbye. <laughs>